At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's 3rd and Central Podcast. Powered by the State of Louisville Podcast Network. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Third and Central Podcast, the only podcast dedicated solely to the University of Louisville baseball program. This is your host, Matt Sefcovic, joined by Aaron Turner. Tonight, this is the second episode of the third season of the Third and Central. Aaron, we've promised we would bring this episode with the preview for the 2023 season, kind of what to expect from this team. We've got a lot to cover tonight. Before we hop into that, um, Aaron's got some good news. He's heading this way towards Kentucky in the next few days, so he's going to call himself a Kentuckian over the summer. But, Aaron, how's everything going out in St. Louis? I'm doing great. It's a little cold up here and might get some snow, but it doesn't matter because it's about time for baseball season. How are you doing? I'm good. Yeah, baseball season's right around the corner just a couple days away from the start of the 2023 season. Couldn't be more excited about the team we've got this year. You'll see why here in just a couple minutes. But before we jump into 2023, just a brief recap of last year. It's really the team, and Coach McDonald said this time and time again, it's a team that reset the standard. You know, after missing the uh, tournament the year before, they went 42-21-1 last year, made it back to a super regional, played Texas A&M down in College Station, got beat 2-0 down there, um, really battled though, got beat 4-5 and 3-4, so really showed a lot of fight in what I think is probably one of the premier facilities in all of college baseball. But that being said, they we lost a lot. Lost Dalton Rushing, second-round guy, Ben Metzinger, Levi Usher, who was a Rawlings gold glove, covered – every inch of the outfield last year for us. Cam Masterman hit a ton of home runs. Carter Lohman signed a free agent deal. Ben Bianco, he's, his baseball career is over after graduation. Lost 78 of 95 home runs from last season. So 2023, we're really looking for somebody to step up, show some power, which, Aaron, I think you're going to cover that in here in a little bit. We've got one guy that is going to be a breakout candidate to lead this team in home runs, in my opinion. But all that to be said, from what we've lost last year, we're still getting a lot of love in the preseason, which we didn't get going in 2021. And I think the team last year felt really disrespected. Coach McDonald's talked about it quite a bit. Got a really strong recruiting class coming in, ranked seventh nationally by perfect game. You're going to hear a lot about those guys tonight, and you're going to hear a lot about them for the next couple of years. But going into the season, Baseball America's got us ranked fifth. Collegiate Baseball Newspapers got a sixth. Perfect Game is seven. The National College Baseball Writers Association is 10th. The Coaches Poll has us at 11. And D1 Baseball is at 16. So kind of all over the place, fifth through 16th, but you can't go wrong with any of those. That's all a regional host if you look at it from that perspective. And, yes, I know we have six major polls, which is is mighty challenging to keep up with. Uh, I'll never not complain about that. But – each one of them provides a different perspective, which is good for um, all the baseball fans. So, Aaron, what a lot to take in from what we lost, where we're heading, the recruiting class. What do you what do you take of just kind of your outlook on this season? You know, I think we're, you're exactly right. We lost a lot, but there have been seasons where we've lost more, and we've still made a deep run, and you know, some a couple of Omaha trips in there as well. You know, you look at last last year's team, that was a very young team. A lot of guys saw playing time when 
maybe they weren't ready like they should have been, and that's not a knock on them. It's just ACC baseball. It's tough to play as a freshman. So those guys got thrown in the fire right away. And so now you're looking for guys to to make a, a big leap this year, you know, as sophomores or juniors, and really lead this team. And I, I think that when you mix that with uh, the, the freshman class that we have coming in, it's a perfect storm for a deep run this year. No, I agree. And I, I think one of the most exciting things about this team outside of the roster is the schedule. I think for years and years, fans have said, you know, these preseason tournaments that have been developing over the past couple of years across the country, we're seeing, you know, the top teams play in them and fans have begged for this to happen. And it's finally here. Like we're finally getting to participate in one. So Aaron, I'm going to let you kind of run down the schedule and talk about that a little bit more in detail. Um, but I, I think from a fan perspective, this is probably one of the better schedules we've had in a long time. Yeah, I think that when it comes to the baseball schedules, I think the non-conference schedule has gotten better and better every year. And, you know, last year you looked at the schedule and thought, man, like we, we have some good competition early on. Now we're we're in a major tournament. We'll be playing on MLB Network or ESPN or whoever has those games. And, you know, it's great for, for college baseball and great for us. But, you know, looking at those games beforehand, you know, we should start 8-0. There's no sugarcoating it. It should be an 8-0 start to the season before we head to Houston. We open up the season on Friday, February 17th. We got a weekend series against Bucknell. Uh, after that, it's a midweek tilt with Xavier, then three against Bowling Green, and a midweek against EKU before we head off to Houston. I think that those eight games right there, that's going to show Dan and his coaching staff what this team is made of. Uh, you're going to see eight games and you'll probably see eight different lineups. You know, there's, there's a lot of guys that can compete and the lineup is still very much up in the air. And, you know, even coming back from Houston still could very much be up in the air, even heading into conference play. But, you know, like you said, everybody is focused on that Houston trip, the Shriners classic at uh, Minute Maid Park this year. Uh, so it'll be Texas A&M, which is rematched from last year's Super Regional. We got them on Friday, uh, TCU on Saturday, and Michigan, which is a rematch from the regional championship last year on Sunday. And, you know, those are three very, very intriguing games. Uh, A&M is going to be good, obviously. Michigan, you want to see what they do with a, a new head coach up there. They lost Backage, who's now in conference with Clemson. Uh, I think the most intriguing team to me, though, is TCU. The TCU team is a very loaded lineup, and I think that that game right there could definitely be a slugfest for both teams. Yeah, I'm super excited about the lineup we've got down there with the rematches from last year, Texas A&M, the Super Regional, Michigan, and the Regional. And then TCU is kind of a old, I guess, foe of ours back from the you know Big East and whatever insert conference we were in for those years that we were in a new conference every year. It seemed like back a couple of years ago, we played TCU year in and year out, had a real lot of really good solid series with them. So um, I think Houston's going to be a fun trip. I wish I was making the, the trip down that way, but uh, I'm not going to make it, but I think that's exciting. And just the fact that we're participating in one of these preseason tournaments is really exciting for me and I think should be for for Louisville fans. And like you said, they'll be nationally televised. We'll see those games. I think they're on the MLB network, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but, you know, just three really highly competitive games that everyone should be circling on their schedule. And then when we get back from Houston, we play nine more in a row at Jim Patterson Stadium, and we close out those nine games with our first three ACC games against Georgia Tech. One thing about the conference is – the way the schedule's made up is we play every team in the Atlantic Division. So Wake Forest, NC State, Florida State, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Boston College. And then we play four teams from the Coastal Division. And it just so happened to work out this year that we play Miami, who's first in the Coastal, preseason by the coaches, Virginia, who's second in the Coastal. And then we play Georgia Tech, who was picked fifth, and Duke, who was sixth. So we kind of got a blend of the two top teams and then two of the teams at the bottom. So could have been a better draw, but I'll take it. I'm getting both Georgia Tech and Duke. Um, but we've got Georgia Tech, Boston College, Wake Forest, Miami, and Florida State at home, and then Notre Dame, NC State, Duke, Clemson, and Virginia 
on the road. So really exciting ACC schedule this year. I think there's a lot of winnable games. And the fact that we've got Wake Forest, who is the uh, second pick team in the ACC by the coaches, and Miami, who was first in the Coastal Division, both of them at home, I think that really bodes well for us. The, the two toughest series in conference – we get them at Jim Patterson Stadium. So I think there's a lot to be excited about when you look at the conference schedule this year, too. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And, you know, opening up with three against Georgia Tech, you mentioned that they're they're fifth in, in the coastal in the preseason. And, you know, that's still – that's Georgia Tech. You know, <laughs> the, you know they're fifth. You don't want to – you can't take that weekend off. And, I, you know, that's – It'll be interesting to see what plays out going into that weekend because, like I said earlier, I don't think that the lineup will be set going into that weekend and Mm -hmm. the rotation might not be set either. So I think that Georgia Tech is the perfect early test and conference play for this team. Yeah, and Danny Hall has won a boatload of games down at Georgia Tech, and he's going to win a lot more. Guy's probably a future Hall of Famer. So just because he's finished down the bottom of the – conference doesn't mean he's not going to come in here fighting with that team so I think uh Yellow Jackets are going to be pretty strong this year they did lose a lot from last season they're going to have a lot of young guys on that roster but Danny Hall is not going to go down without a fight yeah they they did lose a lot and I'll, I'll give you that but it'll it'll be an interesting an interesting weekend for sure and you know looking at Louisville's schedule here this year there's a lot to like in ACC play and there's a lot to like in non-conference play too there's some midweek games that really stand out to me. Uh, April 11th, of course, you you got to have Kentucky on the schedule. We have them at Jim Patterson on the 11th, and then two weeks later, uh, we go down to Lexington on the 25th. Uh, that midweek in between there on April 18th is at Indiana. So cards make the trip up north a couple hours, go to Bloomington. And then May 9th, the Vanderbilt game, you know, those – those Vanderbilt games are always a lot of fun and, you know, since 2019 kind of bring on a new meeting than they did before. Uh, so I'm, I'm very excited for the non-conference slate as well. I, I think that it is, is perfect for this team. I like you know that, that this team is going to be challenged and they're going to be challenged even during the midweek games. I think that we have the roster that can compete with anybody and those games right there are going to show, show us what this team is really made of. Yeah, I, th- I think that stretch right there of April 11th through April 25th where you've got Kentucky midweek, Indiana midweek, Kentucky midweek, three weeks in a row, that's going to be a tough stretch when you throw in ACC games, you know, kind of sandwich around those. So it's going to be a tough stretch. I think during that time we'll really find out kind of what this team is all about because that's when they're really going to get tested. Like you said, the lineup is going to change a hundred times between now and then. But at that point in time, we should know – who's on first right like we're going to know what the lineup looks like at that point in time so you know then we'll be able to really tell we're going to have we're going to be battle tested um we got a solid schedule and we'll know who we're going to throw out there um when 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 the going gets tough so i'm excited about that stretch not just because it's kentucky but just to get some more more talent in the midweek game so excited for that stretch that'll be down the road in april so that's enough of the schedule we're going to go ahead and hop into kind of the position breakdown we've been talking about for a while. We're going to start with the catcher position, and that really starts and ends with Jack Payton. He's going to be the anchor this year. You know, Payton's coming back. Um, he was a second-team collegiate baseball newspaper, All-American, third-team National Collegiate Baseball Writers Association uh, preseason team. So got a lot of hype going into the season this year. He spent time behind Dalton Rushing and Henry Davis the past couple seasons, so he's he's literally learned from some of the best catchers that have played college baseball the last few years. Last year, he started 62 of 64 games, batted 350, which was uh, top for the top of the team. He hit 23 doubles, 54 RBIs. Look for Jack to show a little more power this year. I'd like to see that in his game. Other than that. I mean, I mean, he's he's the guy you want at the plate. Ninth inning, we're down by a run with a guy on second base. Like, you want Jack Payton at the plate. He proved that time and time again last year. Behind Payton, you really have three freshmen, Will Veerling, Matt Klein from Trinity, and Brantley Bamberg. Um, Veerling, I think, is probably going to be the guy that's going to emerge as the number two guy. He was a highly recruited catcher from Wisconsin, 
um, 262nd ranked in his class. He was members of the hitters organization with Gavin Keel, another freshman on the team this year. And he was kind of known as one of the top left-handed hitters in the Midwest in his class last year coming into um, the 2022 class, I guess. But I think there's a lot of upside for Veerling. I think he provides a, a big spark. I'm excited to kind of see what he can provide. But outside of that, I think those are going to be the two guys that you're going to see. You may see Klein and Bamberg get some time here and there just to get them thrown in because they're going to play a bigger role next season. But I think Peyton and Veerling are probably going to be the two guys that hear their names called this year. Uh, definitely. And, you know, going back to Jack Peyton, you know, you talked about all the preseason accolades for him. I still don't think he gets talked about enough. He is, mm -hmm. I believe, the best catcher in the ACC. And this is no disrespect to Kyle Teal out of Virginia. But, you know, Teal's been getting all the love and, and draft polls and preseason All-American honors. I do believe that Jack Payton is the best catcher in the conference, and to me, it's not even that close. Yeah, any any list you look at, Teal is ranked ahead of Payton, and I'm with you. I'm 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 biased, just like you are probably, but I take Payton any day of the week. I I, I love his game. Um, anytime his number's called, it seems like he delivers. Um, you know, he he doesn't play the game with a lot of energy. He's he's kind of cool, calm, and collected guy. Like he he doesn't get out there and showboat, but he 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 just delivers. He just produces on the field, and that's all you can ask for. Yeah, there's no bias here. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> right, I see the Louisville across your chest. <laughs> all right, move, moving on to first base. Uh, we got two guys who've been competing for the job, you know, through fall and up until these past few weekends and, and spring scrimmages. I still think the job was up in the air, but. I do think the opening day first base nod goes to Ryan McCoy, a junior college transfer out of Wabash Valley Community College. Uh, his numbers were off the charts, just stupid good for them. Last year, he only hit 435 with 17 home runs, had 83 RBIs. And this is a 6'4 first baseman who stole 18, 18 bags as well. So he can do it all. And, you know, this is this is. ACC baseball, so it's hard to say how that transfers over, but I, I do have all the confidence in the world that he will be a middle-of-the-order bat for us. And, uh, you know, if if you listen to the podcast with Sean, our, our last one, he had mentioned in that scrimmage that McCoy had a, a few batted balls that were over 110 miles an hour, which is just ridiculous. And then right behind him, you got Will Cook, who last year missed all season due to a shoulder injury that he sustained in the fall. I think Will Cook is somebody to keep an eye on uh, potential DH. You know, maybe if, if McCoy comes out and doesn't swing the bat, like we all think that he will, then you can see Will Cook right there in the mix at first base too. I think in the fall, it kind of took Cook a little bit to, to get back in the rhythm of things and he struggled a little bit, but now that we're into spring scrimmages, Cook looks really good, and I think that first base is in great hands this year, whether you have McCoy or Cook out there. You know, I think the most exciting thing to me about Ryan McCoy, you know, the 435 average, 17 home runs, 83 RBI, like you said, you know, those are games that I probably couldn't produce on a – or those are numbers I probably couldn't produce on a video game, right? And he's doing it in real life. But the most impressive to me, like you said, is the 18 stolen bases at 6'4", 220. And they've had him running – like in scrimmages that we've played against other teams and against ourselves. It's not like he's only doing this against Yuko. He stole a bag this weekend in a scrimmage against another Louisville catcher. So I don't know what what the reins are going to look like on him when he gets on first base. I don't think he's going to get a green light at 6'4", 220. But, I mean, if, if he needs to, if we can pull off a double steal or something, let the big fella go. You know, I, I can't wait to see how he does against – you know, top tier D1 talent and Will Cook. I mean, you touched on it. I, I think if Ryan McCoy wasn't on this team, I think Will Cook would be one of the ones we're most excited about going into the season. I know the staff last year, I heard people in the, um, on the team basically saying Will Cook could be a freshman All American by the end of last season. I mean, they had very high hopes for him and then he got hurt and had surgery. So he had to miss the season, but Regardless of however they go at first, which I think it is going to be McCoy, we're, we're in good hands at first base. So I, I don't worry about that one bit. 
and then hopping over to second base, this is kind of where things are clear as mud. Last year, we had Logan Beard, who started at second base. He started 62 games. He was a freshman All-American by Collegiate Baseball and the National College Baseball Writers Association. So both publications tabbed him as a freshman All-American, batted 310, 12 doubles, four home runs, and 54 RBI. And the thing about Beard, and this is where it kind of gets interesting, is is he going to stick at second base this year? He can, and he will do a fine job because we saw that last year. But he can also move over to third. And if he moves over to third, that opens up the middle of the infield quite a bit for a couple guys like Gavin Keelan and Christian Napchik. Keelan is a freshman. He was ranked 55th in nationally in the class. He was drafted 13th overall by the Red Sox. Another guy come from Wisconsin. And Coach Mack was talking with D1 Baseball not too long ago, and he said that he believes that Gavin Keelan could end up being a Rawlings gold glove before he leaves Louisville. That's pretty strong, right? Coach Mack's been here a long time, and he's coached some damn good baseball players. Aaron, do you know who – he's coached three Rawlings gold gloves since he's been here. Do you know who they are? I want to say Levi Usher, Devin Hairston, and was it Will Smith? Was Will it? Smith was the third, yeah. yeah. All right. So, so in, in his, what, 17 years that he's been here, he's had three. So for him to say before Gavin Keelan ever fields a ground ball in a Louisville baseball jersey that he thinks he could, I'm not saying, he didn't say he will, he said he could turn into a gold, gold glove winner. That's pretty strong. So he he's a guy that could play second if if Beard goes to third. He's also a guy that could play shortstop um, if Beard goes to third and Napchick goes to second. So there, there's a lot of options there in the middle of the infield depending on what route they want to go. But I think the flexibility that the staff has due to the versatility of the players is going to be huge. If you've got a guy that's not producing or last year we had a couple injuries, if you've got a guy that gets hurt, it's going to be easy to move these puzzle pieces around and really not skip a beat. Yeah, I, I tell you what, the middle infield is the best problem to have. You know, there are a handful of guys, and we're not even going to touch on a number of them that are more than capable of playing Division One ACC baseball mm-hmm. that won't touch the field this year because there are so many guys uh, in front of them that, quite frankly, are just are going to hold it down all year. And – Personally, at second base, I'm a Christian Napchik guy just because I think that's where he profiles as a pro coming up on his draft year, knowing that Dan likes to get guys reps where they profile as a professional. Uh, I'm a Napchik guy at second. Well, like you said, just you know, all these guys who are very versatile and uh, can play a number of positions just really opens up that middle infield. You can go a number of ways with that. And, you know, if Beard slides over or if he stays at second, then third base is open. And that opens a whole other set of opportunities. You know, you've got Brandon Anderson who played in 24 games last year. We had a couple injuries. He played a few different positions in the infield. He batted 316, didn't make a single error in the 24 games he saw action in. If he gets the opportunity, he's going to deliver. I mean, that, that's what he did last year. You know, he's a, he's another guy. He's just cool, calm, and collected. He makes it look easy while he's out there. I'm not saying he's Brendan McKay, but kind of he that's kind of how he carries himself. You know, not a whole lot of emotion. Goes out there. He gets the job done. Another guy that could potentially uh, fit in at third base is Patrick Forbes. He's a freshman from Bowling Green. He was Mr. Baseball last year in 2022 here in Kentucky. He's an instant impact guy. I mean, he, he's another one that can step in right away. Hit a couple home runs in the Pizza Bowl this year. Uh, closed out the game. We played Miami of Ohio in the scrimmage last fall. Runner on third base. We were up one run. Strikes the guy out the plate to end the game. I mean, he, he can really do it. And we'll talk a little bit more about him on the mound later. But I think he's a guy that he, – he's a two-way guy, and he could he could fit in at third base if need be. I tell you what, if you don't know the name Patrick Forbes yet, you you're going to know his name very soon. I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say that by the time he, his career is done in Louisville, you will see his picture on the right field wall. The kid is that good. And, you know, you never want to project that on a freshman, but 
I, I really do believe that he is that good. I'll take it a step further than that. I think he, by the time he leaves, I think he'll win the John Olerud Award. All right. You heard it here first. <laughs> I, I think he's that type of talent that I think he can win that award before he leaves Louisville's campus. No, I definitely agree with that. Uh, like you said, his versatility too. You you could see him all over the field, you know, and playing both sides of the ball. Just, just incredible to have. Now I want to go back and touch on shortstop real quick. We talked about Napchik. We haven't even touched on Noah Smith yet, who <laughs> last year in limited action hit 318. And we, we have this guy who unfortunately might just be the odd man out. You know, the freshman last year hit over 300 in the time that he did play. And we're not even talking about him being a part of this group, unfortunately. So, you know, it'll be very interesting to see what that combination in the middle middle infield is. You could see Keelan at short, Napchik at short. Smith at short, you know, there's a million different ways that, that McDonald could go here. And that that's really fun for me as a fan. I think so too. And I, I you touched on this a little bit earlier. The fact that McDonald, the way the way he's managed his lineup and his roster over the past, you know, 17 years is he's gonna give all these guys an opportunity. Like he's not just gonna the lineup that we see on February 17th, that's not the same lineup we're gonna see on February 18th, probably. <laughs> or February 19th. It's not going to be the lineup we see next year in the NCAA tournament. He's going to change the lineup time and time and time again until he gets the players where he wants them. He's going to give them all an opportunity. That's what he does. That's why we schedule the way we schedule. And they're all going to have a chance to earn their stripes and earn their time on the field. No, I 100% agree with that. I think that's what makes Dan such a great coach is that he will – make a million different lineups and and he will make sure that he has every single guy in the exact role that they need to be in. And that, that's why he's been so successful over 17 years here. Right. And I, I think as, as murky as, you know, second, third and short are the outfield is <laughs> maybe even, you know, I don't want to say worse, but even more difficult to understand who's going to be where I think oh. the middle, I think the middle infield on paper probably has more proven talent at this point in time. I think that's fair to say, but I think the outfield has more potential options. I definitely agree with that. And I'm going to let you kind of dive in and go over that a little bit. So that's, that's going to be my treat for you right now. All right. Uh, So let's just get this one out of the way and right field. You will be seeing Isaac Humphrey period. Uh, Yep. That's it. You can, you can write that one and pen. He is in. Uh, last year at 328, had 21 extra base hits, 11 stolen bags, seven outfield assists. Quite frankly, was robbed of ACC all freshmen, but I digress. Let's go somewhere, you know, left field and center field held down last year by Cam Masterman and Levi Usher, kind of up in the air right now. Uh, right now, I think Matt knows how big of an Eddie King guy I am. I do think that he is I do think that he is your left fielder on opening day. Dude had a great fall and has had some some nice scrimmages here leading up to the season. Uh, if you don't know Eddie King, he missed last year due to injury, uh, came back for summer ball, tore up the prospect league. Uh, he hit 310 with 15 home runs, 49 RBIs, and 31 stolen bases on his way to a prospect league MVP. So he really did it all for them, for uh, the Alton River Dragons. And then uh, right behind him, another left field option, I think, or you could see, even see him getting time in center is JT Benson. Uh, you know, he's had the injury bug for a while, and you're going into his junior season now, you hope that he can pull it all together and stay healthy and, and put together a nice year. And I think that at the very least, you know, he could be another DH option, you know, if you want to keep him off the field and keep him healthy, you could see him at DH. And then you get to center field. And to me, I think this is a two-man race right now between Tyler Hawkins and and Haven Mangrum. Hawkins has been a a program guy for a while. He's had to do his senior year. Uh, He showed that he has added some power to his game. I saw him in, in the fall, and he kind of changed up some things at the plate. And he can hit the ball a long ways. Uh, which is something he really hasn't shown up to this point, but I'm very excited to see if that can translate over to the season. 
uh, like JT Benson, uh, um, you know, a lot of injuries for Hawkins, really hoping that he can pull it all together this year and, you know, maybe hold down that spot in center field. And then moving on to Haven Mangrum, for those of you who don't know that name yet, he's a transfer from Columbia State Community College in Tennessee. To me, he's the next Levi Usher. Dude can move, a left-handed hitter. Hit 311 last year with 11 stolen bases and just 23 games played. So when I look at him, I, I see Levi Usher. That is the next Levi Usher. And then just moving to a freshman, I think we need to keep an eye on is Corbin Dickerson, local guy. I believe definitely could have, you know, gone the way of the draft and and turned pro. Um, he was very solid on his commitment to, to Louisville and, and getting to campus. Uh, which is why he fell down to the 20th round pick by the twins. Uh, but he he's, I think he's a five tool talent. Honestly, he, the arm is, I think the arm is the best tool. He's an elite defender, great arm. Uh, speed is there and the bat to ball contact skills are just crazy good as a freshman. Uh, I think that he could spend, spend a lot of time in the outfield. And I definitely think that he has a chance to to crack this outfield as a true freshman. You know, I think when you look at this offensive roster, and I'm not taking anything away from, I think this offense, like last year, I think they can average eight or more runs a game, and that's saying a lot. That, that's that's big time. That, that that's top in the nation. I think they can average more than eight runs a game this year. But I think the two things that they need to replace from last season are where your home runs going to come from, and where your stolen base is going to come from. Because you lost Levi Usher, you lost some speed, and you lost virtually all your power. When you look at this outfield group, it's kind of a weird mix because they have both of those things, especially if Tyler Hawkins is going to hit the ball over the fence like he has been in the fall and in these scrimmages. He said, I think he had a multi-home run game not too long ago. I mean, he's been tearing the cover off the ball when his number's been called in these scrimmages and the pizza bowl and whatnot. Same thing with Eddie King Jr. I mean, he had 15 home runs and 31 stolen bases this year in the summer league, like you said, on his way to the – MVP up there in the prospects league. But if we can get guys in the outfield that are going to, that can steal bases and hit home runs, when those are the two things that I think this roster may be missing offensively, I mean, that's a win win situation. That's huge because you've got a couple guys on the infield like Napchick, like Keelan, if he plays, they just don't have the home run threat, right? That, that's just not their game. And we, we don't expect that from them. So it's got to come from somewhere. So if we got a couple of the guys that are fresh faces that can, play in the outfield and provide both a spark with power and speed, that's going to be huge for the roster management this year. No, for sure. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that opening day outfield, if I had to take a guess from left to right, I'm going to go with King, uh, Hawkins, and then Humphrey. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I, I hate to agree with you, <laughs> not, not because I don't think you're an intelligent person, just because – I, I don't want to agree with you, but I think you're right. If, if somebody asks me right now who the outfield is, I think that's correct. Now, let's talk about the infield. If we're going to throw some predictions around, I'll, since you give yours first, I'll give mine on the offense or on the infield. Jack Payton's your catcher, obviously. Ryan McCoy is your first baseman. I think Logan Beard is your second baseman. I think Christian Napchik is your shortstop. I'm going to throw you for a curveball here. I think Brandon Anderson starts at third base. That's very interesting. Brandon Anderson at third, and so I would assume that leaves Forbes at DH. I think Forbes will, I think Forbes will DH. And I think just if you look at McDonald's track record, he doesn't like to start freshman opening day. Like he doesn't like to just throw them out there. So if Forbes is a DH, I think that's a little bit different. I don't think defensively he would throw any of them out there yet. I think the some of the older guys have earned the spot, and I think it's theirs to possibly lose. So I think he'll throw Anderson at third. And okay. I, I've never told you that before until just now. Every discussion we've had, I, I don't think I've ever said that, but I just changed my mind. You know, I think you just presented a very compelling case, and I think that's <laughs> that's definitely something I can get behind. Uh, you know, obviously, I, I do have Peyton at, behind the plate and McCoy at first. Second base, I really want to put Napchik at second base. I don't I, disagree with you. I just going by what I think will happen. I don't. I think I would prefer that, but 
we'll see what happens. I just looking at Napchik, I don't love the glove at yeah. shortstop, and I think that you move him to second. I do, I do think that is a benefit. Um, and then I guess at shortstop, then I, I will put Gavin Keelan out there on opening day. And then at third, Logan Beard and Forbes at DH, which I'm you know, I love, I'm a big Brandon Anderson guy, but mm-hmm. unfortunately, I he is my odd man out. I, I do think the lineup that you just pitched, I think that is our lineup. Game one of the NCAA tournament. If All everyone's right. healthy, that's our lineup. Okay, yeah, I I feel good about that lineup. I don't like you said. Uh, now that we've talked about it, I don't know if if that'll be an opening day lineup, like you said, just with freshman Keelan starting yeah. at shortstop on opening day. But I I do feel do feel good about that lineup happening sooner rather than later. Yes. I think at some point this season that will be our solid lineup that we stick with. Um, but I, I think we'll kind of ease some of those freshmen into it. I don't think they'll just be thrown out there day one. I could be completely wrong. You know, I, I don't know what Coach Mack is thinking, but we'll find out here before too long. Yeah. So now that we've talked about the offense and defense and all that stuff, now we now we get to jump in to the pitchers. And this is going to be – probably more difficult to get through than the offense, right? Because, you know, we've got a pitching staff returning last year that I think had an ERA just north of five, if I'm not mistaken. So, they, you know, they really have to prove this season. They've got a lot to prove after what happened last year. And, you know, the offense kind of carried them. If we can get the pitching staff in sync with the offense that I think is going to score eight or so runs – I think this team can be really special, and I think this team can get to Omaha. So I'm going to go ahead and jump right in. Guys that I think are going to be in the weekend rotation. I'm going to go Riley Phillips, Carson Liggett, and I'm going to go Ryan Hawks or Greg Ferrone. Okay? I don't know which yet, but I think it's going to be one of those two. So they – and you probably don't know the name Greg Frone yet. He's he's a JUCO guy. We'll talk about him in just a minute. Before we jump into those kind of the returning guys, Aaron, what do you think about the rotation? Uh, I think you and I spend way too much time talking baseball together because you <laughs> and I wrote down the exact same rotation. I went with Phillips, <laughs> Liggett, and Hawks as a weekend rotation. And then I also went ahead and wrote down a midweek starter. I put Justin West yeah, in a midweek. I think that's a that's an interesting name you bring up too midweek. I've got Cade Grundy midweek, but I think it could go. I think Grundy is very valuable as a reliever on weekends, though. So more to come on that. But I, I think I think Justin West, I would love to see him as an option as a starter during the week too. So let's go ahead and dive into some of these names because some of those names that we just mentioned you may not have heard of before. Obviously, we all know Riley Phillips. I think he's probably the Friday guy heading into the season. He was five and one last year, four thirty-four ERA, sixty-nine strikeouts compared to just seventeen walks in his fifty-eight innings that he pitched. I think he, when you look at it, he's the he's the anchor. He's the solid one that's coming back this year. So I think Riley, a lot to be excited about him. How he finished the season last year, I, I, but I I think at this point in time, I don't have any reason to believe that he won't be the Friday night guy. We both agreed on Liggett, and Liggett was a freshman last year, 3-0, 468 ERA, 21 strikeouts to um, 15 walks. And then Carson went up to the Cape Cod this summer, the premier summer league. He had a 413 ERA, so we lowered that a little bit from last year. And then he also lowered his walk in HBP totals as compared to over the season. So I think there's a lot to be excited about with Liggett as who Aaron and I both think will be the number two guy. As far as the three, Ryan Hawks, last year who's five and three, 496 ERA, big, big time strikeout guy, 65 strikeouts to 16 walks. I think he's likely to make the jump to the rotation. He brings a lot to the table as a reliever through a lot of innings last year, had a ton of appearances, 
he's a guy that they just called on all the time. I mean, anytime they'd get in a jam, Ryan Hawks. So I, I think moving him to this rotation is going to benefit him. It's going to benefit the team, but I also think somebody's going to have to step into his shoes as a bullpen guy that's reliable. Yeah, I'm with you there. And like I think you touched on earlier about Cade Grundy, about him being valuable out of the bullpen. Uh, and Grundy, to me, originally was a, a potential Friday or Saturday night guy. Maybe next year he will be. But I do think that his role in the, in the is in the pen this year. He put up great numbers on Cape Cod League as a freshman. Uh, ERA was under three. It was, I think it was two, two or two, three, somewhere around there. I think that Grundy will step up and, and be that guy out of the pen that Ryan Hawks was last year. No, I think so. And he had an ERA of about six and a half last year as a freshman in his 15 appearances. And then, like you said, he lowered it to in the middle twos in the Cape Cod this year. So, you know, and he gave up 12 runs last season. And six of them came in in his final two outings, which were just a total of two innings combined. So he really got beat up in his last two outings. You take those out, and his ERA isn't nearly as inflated as, you know, six and a half. So I think I think Cade can take the next step. He, and he's a uh, kid from Somerset. His younger brother, pretty talented too. So he, he's going to be coming up the ranks here in a couple of years. But the other one, Greg Ferrone. Aaron, what do you, what do you think about this guy? He is the biggest question mark of all the pitchers to me. He is the biggest question mark. And that's just because we don't know a whole lot about him just yet. Uh, Juco transfer out of Herkimer College in New York. He won a national championship there last year. Uh, pitched to a 7-0 record with a 165 ERA. And a ridiculous 139 strikeouts and just 60 innings pitched. Which, those, those are stupid strikeout numbers. That's 20 strikeouts, per, around 20 strikeouts per nine innings. Yeah. Like, that, that stuff that doesn't happen. I don't care what level of baseball you're playing. Again, those are numbers that I couldn't put up on a video game. I, I tell you what has me excited about him. When you just look at him, he looks like a left-handed Luke Smith. He does. Yes. Yes, I can see that. And I think, his, if I'm not mistaken, I think he calls himself, like on social media, like the Italian Missile or something like that. And – I'd, I'd never knew an Italian missile before, but I never knew how much I needed that in my life. We need to make shirts like we need Italian missile missile shirts or something like that. I love that. I, I think we can. I think we can make that happen. We and we can get like a a left field lounge with like Italian missile signs and shirts and stuff. Yes, yes, I I'm I'm all for that. Let's do it. We need to call Lottie. We need to call Lottie over in the marketing department and have they need to put like a marketing campaign together just for the Italian missile. Yes, please. Lottie, if you're listening to this, please reach out. <laughs> uh, another guy in the bullpen that I'm excited about is Tate Keener. Been around the program a long time. Everybody knows all about Keener. Started in the rotation last year and moved to the bullpen. Didn't have the best couple starts, so they moved him. Found it was a better home for him. He was, And then he ended up third on the team in appearances with 25. Finished 7-3 and three with a 357 ERA. I know there's some people that think he could get a shot at the rotation again this season. You know, come back for another year. Has he earned that? Is he better off for the team in the rotation? What does he project at the next level at that's going to be best for his game? I don't know. Those are all questions that Roger Williams has the answers to, and we'll find out here soon. The thing that's so valuable, in my opinion, about Keener, and we saw this last year, and you can't put a price tag on this, is – we saw Keener sometimes, multiple times, in a weekend series in the ACC. And that's big when you've got a guy that can throw a couple innings on a Friday, a couple innings on a Sunday. You just you don't see that very often, especially a left-handed guy. And Keener's also a guy that can come in, he can throw to a couple batters if he needs to get out of a jam, and he can throw three, four, five innings if he has to. You know, if a starter gets chased, throw Keener out there. Because if he can, you know, keep the runs to minimum, the offense is going to get us back in the game. So he his what he brings to this team, I think, is invaluable. I 100% agree with that. And his role, while it isn't very sexy, I think it's definitely very valuable to the team. And I agree with you. I, I do think that he will get a shot to start at some point this year. Um, I would love to see him out of the bullpen again. But you know, you know that's a conversation for Dan and, and Roger to have with Tate. 
the one thing we're going to have to make sure we stay away from with this marketing campaign we're coming up with is we don't want to have like a sexy Italian missile <laughs> that, that would throw all kinds of different mixed emotions to the fans. So just, just make sure we keep those two things like separate from one another. Don't let Keener and Ferone throw in the same game because the the women uh, the fans will be all kinds of crazy up there. Yeah, that, that's too much. We can't have that. <laughs> um, but after Keener... You know, we've got a couple guys that, you know, I think had a tough year last year, but I think have the talent that they the roles really could increase this year. Starting with Will Coger, he just, man, he just struggled finding the zone last year. 12.27 ERA in his freshman year. Another talented kid down from Western Kentucky. Had 10 strikeouts, 12 walks, so just couldn't he, – he just struggled finding the plate. If I'm not mistaken, one game – I don't remember who it was. I'm just going off memory. I think he walked the bases loaded and got pulled. I could be way off on that, but I I think that was him that did that at one point in time. But then he went up to Cape Cod this year and had 25 strikeouts and only 12 walks. I mean, almost almost double. That ratio is much better than what he saw at Louisville last year. And his ERA went from 12.2 down to 4.2. So the talent's there. It's just how is that going to translate back to Louisville this season? Yeah, Coger to me is another rotation option, in my opinion. I think that he could make the jump to the rotation. I don't think that the rotation that we named or the rotation that you see opening weekend will be set. You know, there. I don't think that will be the rotation at the end of the year either. There will be a lot of moving parts to this, and I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Will Coger make a jump in there at some point. I, I agree with you. I think we will see him on the weekend at one point in time. And Aaron and I talk about this a lot is if you look at some of these draft boards, Coger pops up all the time for his class. And it's like you look at his stats and you're like, oh, my gosh, this guy had a you know, 12.2 ERA. Why do we have him in the top 300, top 500 of the draft? And it's potential. I mean, it, it's it's there. I think last year was just between the ears. You know, he's a freshman. He got thrown out there early. Probably not his fault. The pitching staff just didn't produce, so they were just throwing some younger guys out there to see what happened. But he bounced back in the Cape this year, and I'm ready to see what he can do. Because like you said, I think he can be a weekend guy this year and potentially beyond while he's at Louisville. I 100% agree with that. I'm a big believer in Will Coger, and I'm looking forward to see the strides that he made this year. Another big arm in the bullpen and could be a potential closer is Alex Galvan. Big kid, uh, high swing and miss guy. I think he struck out six or 20 last year and only walked six. And, and on the mound, he's just a physical presence. Throws the ball hard. I think he's about 6'6". Six, six. So when he's out there, I mean, you know he's on the mound. He's a big boy. But I think he's a guy that could be the back end of the bullpen this year and could be our closer. I 100% agree. Right now, I think he is my closer, and I think you and I might disagree on who our, our closers would be. But Galvan is my closer, and I know that the numbers in the past haven't been lights out. I mean, they're not terrible, but they haven't been as great as what you look for in a closer. But also, you look at last year's closer, that was Michael Prosecchi, and his numbers were nowhere near what you would expect a closer to be. And he comes out last year, and and it looks great in the closer role, and it ends up getting him drafted pretty early. So I think that we're looking at a similar situation with Galvan here. And I think another closer to look at, and we touched on him earlier in the offense, was Patrick Forbes. As a freshman, you know, he's coming in from Bowling Green. He's already up to 94 on the gun, uh, controls the ball, knows the zone well. He's keeps his composure on the mound. I, I think he's a guy that could be the back end of the bullpen. I like Galvan right now, but I'm, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if we saw Forbes as the closer by the time the end of the year rolls around. I think I agree with that. I think that whoever ends up with the closer job at the beginning of the year will be on a very, very short leash because there are multiple guys that are more than capable of, of closing games. And so if, for instance, Galvan was there, closing and you know maybe blew a lead or two i would not be surprised to see forbes take over that role before march rolls around 
And then we've got a couple other guys. We'll just kind of breeze through them quickly. Evan Webster had 21 appearances last year. He's back again. He's kind of Adam Elliott type guy. You can throw him out in any situation. He's going to throw to batter, two batters, four innings. I mean, you put Webster out on the mound, you know what you're going to get. He's pretty solid. Ben Wigman uh, made 13 appearances last season, 3-0 and with a 5.93 ERA. That just kind of goes to show you that win-loss record for pitchers can kind of be deceiving because he's 3-0 with the ERA around six. But he can really sling the ball, can touch upper 90s. Came from the hitters organization in Wisconsin, so he's he's been around baseball a long time and played a lot of competitive baseball. Caleb Corbett had a phenomenal freshman season a couple years ago, 3.58 ERA at 33 strikeouts and 27 innings. Sophomore season last year, 8.1 ERA with 24 strikeouts and 21 innings. Um, he went from three doubles allowed freshman season to seven doubles in a sophomore season three home runs allowed freshman season and eight last year so the numbers just didn't translate from freshman to his sophomore slump so he's got the talent I think we just we need to see him have an increased role you want to talk about a guy that can take the closer position it's Caleb Corbett because he came and took it as a freshman right so he's got the talent he can do it Two questions is, is he going to be able to improve from his freshman or sophomore season? And two, did they find a hat that fits his head yet? <laughs> I, th- I think the hat question is the most pressing one here. <laughs> Excited about him. And there, there's one more picture we're going to touch on, and I'm not going to do it because, Aaron, I know you want to talk about him. So I'm going to – and you know who I'm talking about. So I'm going to – I'm going to – I don't want to steal your thunder. So you you go ahead and talk about the last one you want to discuss tonight. Yeah. So I got Justin West. I uh, I briefly touched on him earlier in the in the episode. Uh, Kentucky guy out of Paducah Tillman. This kid can throw. You know, he can touch. He's up in the nineties already, and as a lefty, that's just insane. He's coming off Tommy John surgery. He enrolled early at Louisville last year and did his rehab here. Uh, so now he's fully healthy, but I think the big question is how involved do you want him to be as a freshman coming off Tommy John? Mm-hmm. In my opinion, I think that he is he's the midweek guy right now. Uh, you know, and Matt and I talked about this before we we pressed record, but I think Justin West could find his way into the weekend rotation at some point this year. And that wouldn't surprise me either. It's just a matter of what do what do Dan and Roger feel comfortable with his workload being coming off of Tommy John? The thing about Justin West, it, he skipped his senior year of high school to come to Louisville because he had Tommy John, so he missed his full senior year. But if you followed his time back at Paducah Tillman when he was there, and I love to tell this story, he struck out 20 batters in one high school game, and he lost the game. I think it went into extra innings, and I think he got beat 1-0 or something like that. It was playing McCracken County. This was two, three, four years ago. I guess two or three years ago at this point in time. But he used to just put up video game numbers. And Aaron and I talk about him quite a bit. I'm, you know, he's he's a freshman this year, but he's been around the program for – this will be his second year now because he enrolled early because he had surgery and uh, graduated high school early. I'm really excited about him. I think – Aaron, you hit the nail on the head when you talked about what's what's his role on this team look like because of the Tommy John surgery. You know, do they kind of take this year early and let him really ease into things to prolong his career? Or, you know, do they think he's ready and they can just throw him out there? Time will tell. But I can tell you, when the guy's on the mound and when he's fully healthy, he's a strikeout machine. And I think his game plays really well at Jim Patterson Stadium. He's a fly ball guy, and I think his game plays really well here just because of the the depth of the park. No, I'm, he's my guy. He is my guy this year. I'm I'm very very excited to watch him and throw and and watch his career progress. And as we've done with a couple guys already on this show, the freshman, I would not be surprised to see his picture out on the right field wall when it's all said and done. All right, now you're going there. You got yeah, I'm going there. I'm going there. <laughs> All right, so enough of our position breakdown. The the biggest question about this team and the most 
thing that fans are eager about right now is we want to get back to Omaha. We want to experience that. It's it's time to take the next step. Okay, so what, in your opinion, what gets this team to Omaha? And on the flip side of that, what keeps this team from getting to Omaha? You know, I think I think this is kind of an obvious one to me, but the offense is what gets this team to Omaha. I think this team is in a little bit of a similar situation to last year. And I think that this offense has the potential to be just as good, if not better, than the offense that we saw last year. While a lot of them are unproven, that that ceiling is definitely there for these guys to come out and and perform and and bring this team to Omaha. I definitely definitely think that you know the home runs can be replaced in, in the form of Ryan McCoy and Eddie King. And on the flip side of that, oh, just as as we talked about last year, what keeps this team and out of Omaha is I think that the the pitching. There are once again there are a lot of unproven guys on the mound. Last year was. I wouldn't I wouldn't say last year was was disappointing because a lot of those guys were young. You just hope that those guys can take a step forward. But I think that the way the roster is constructed this year, I think that the mentality is Omaha or bust. I do think that this is one of the on paper at least is one of the better teams that we have ever seen come through Louisville. I think you're spot on with that too. And that's one thing if you listen to Coach McDonald talk is they don't talk about Omaha. We're allowed to talk about Omaha, but they're not allowed to talk about Omaha. But I, I think, and I, I hope this isn't a cop-out, but I think what gets this team to Omaha is our pitching. Because they have, like, if we don't produce and if those don't, numbers don't get better, we're not getting there. So I think on the flip side of that, I think it, it's also the thing that keeps this team from getting to Omaha. I think if this team can produce an ERA of around last year. I just looked, it was 5.21. If we can get that number down to four, this team gets to Omaha period. And I think that's the, that's the ultimate goal. We just have to have some of those guys that were freshmen last sophomores this year. And some of the juniors, we just have to have some of those guys step up. And a few of them went up to the Cape Cod this year, this summer, and they did it. So the potential's there. Like you said, the way the roster is constructed offensively, the talent is there. We're going to score a boatload of runs. But this entire season falls on the pitching. And the good thing about that is Roger Williams is the pitching coach at the University of Louisville because you can ask anybody in the country and it doesn't get any better than Roger Williams. For sure. You know, up here in St. Louis, there are guys that I run to around baseball games and say, yeah, you know, you know, Roger Williams, they, they all love him. You know, he, uh, the, just the coaching staff overall, it, it's crazy to hear the the reviews of, of them up here. So they have made an impact nationwide. And I think you're spot on with, with Roger Williams and, and, and this pitching staff. And the next subject we're going to touch on is our bold predictions for the season. We're each going to give a couple and here's mine. And you'll remember, I didn't have Gavin Keelan in my starting lineup when we open the season on February 17th. But I think Gavin Keelan will be a freshman All-American by the end of the season. It goes back to what I was saying. I don't think the lineup we see opening day is the same lineup we see at the end of the year because he's going to get his reps, he's going to get his at-bats, and the guy's going to be a freshman All-American. My second prediction is I think Carson Liggett will be the Friday night starter by the end of the season. I think he's that good. I think he's got the stuff to do it, and I think he showed it to us last year that he's got the ability and the capability to make that next step. And then I'm going to throw one at the fans. I think Louisville will set an attendance record this year, a season-long attendance record. I think we'll have more people attend Louisville baseball games this year than we've ever had in the history of the program. I like it. I like it. I definitely, you know, the, the state of, of Louisville basketball, especially right now, I definitely think that is a, a good possibility. And I definitely can get behind both Keelan and Liggett. I think, I think you're spot on with both of those. All right. So for my first bull prediction, I'm going to go in the direction of Jack Payton. Talked about him a lot earlier. Uh, I believe that Jack Payton is going to add power to his game. We've seen it 
over the fall and in the spring. So hopefully that power can can translate to the field. Uh, but I do think that he is a double-digit home run guy this year, and he will play himself into the first round of the draft in, in July. My second prediction is for Ryan McCoy at first base. I believe that Ryan McCoy will break the home run record set by Chris Dominguez, single-season home run record at 25. Uh, he, is, he is just that big, that strong, and can hit the ball a mile. And so I definitely think that McCoy has the best chance of anybody to to break that record. Now, I think it's interesting, too, to, to add a power bat like this. We went from Drew Ellis in 2017 to Dalton rushing in 2022 no guys who had hit 20 home runs. And so adding McCoy, you're, you know, a guy who probably should hit, well, you know, 20 is kind of lofty, but he definitely has the capability to hit 20. And so I don't think that we're losing anything right there in, in terms of home runs, home run total for the team. And I think that Ryan McCoy will break the home run record set by Chris Dominguez in 09. I wish I could insert my, uh, fat Amy gif of whoop, there it is right now, <laughs> but uh, you all wouldn't be able to see it. But I will say this if if McCoy breaks the home run record and if Jack Payton hits 10 plus home runs and works himself into the first round next season, and you know, Keelan's a freshman All American, a lot of these things are happening. That ERA that I said that need to be around four, we could probably make it to Omaha if it's around six, if all those other things. Happen. <laughs> Now the stars have to line perfectly, but um, all seriousness, I mean, there's a lot of talent on this offensive side of the ball, so I'm I'm super excited about it, and I do firmly believe the fans are going to show up this year. I, we talked about it a little bit um, last week before Sean came on, and I think Louisville fans are just hungry right now for for something, for wins, for excitement. You know, women's basketball is getting better, men's basketball is not. Football did their thing this year. A lot of excitement with Jeff Brom, but they're not playing yet. There's a lot of time before they actually see the field. So in that gap, what do Louisville fans do? <clears throat> well, hopefully they go to baseball games. And I think once they do, I think if we can get butts in seats at Jim Patterson Stadium, I think fans will see the excitement that Dan McDonald's teams play. You know, they score a lot of runs. They steal a lot of bases. They put pressure on the other team. They, You know, this isn't just a sit-around-and-base-to-base -base kind of approach. That's not how they play. If they hit the ball to the outfield, they think they're getting a double out of the box every time, period. There, there's no lollygagging. They play old-school baseball. That That's how Dan coaches. So I think if we can get some fans to the field that don't normally come, I think we can – capture an audience that we haven't had in the past a fan base that maybe hasn't shown up before and i think we can make them fans for life but as, as long as mcdonald's here because of the style that he plays and the way they coach and just the excitement around the stadium and the things that they do all the events and promotions and things that they do i, th I think we can really capture a different louisville fan that we haven't in the past no, I I definitely agree with that. I think Dan McDonald plays a perfect style of baseball and always has to to draw in new fans. And this team deserves it. This team deserves a big crowd every weekend, and and hopefully the fans show up and, and support. I said I've been at the stadium before where there's a couple hundred fans there, and I was at the stadium. It was a super regional a couple years back. I think we broke seven thousand, maybe. So it's a lot more fun when it's 7,000, when it is three or 400, when it's 20 degrees in February. Um, but it, it won't always be 20 degrees the whole season long. So um, hopefully, um, you know, we're closer to the 7,000 mark, especially when it starts to warm up a little bit. But that's all we've got for tonight. Um, hope you enjoyed the position breakdown, kind of our our thoughts on the season, our bold predictions and all that good stuff. Aaron and I plan on bringing a lot of content this year. Last year, we were kind of every couple of weeks or so. We'd like to increase that. So as long as you all keep listening, we're going to keep talking. But in the meantime, before the season starts, Aaron, I know you've got some things you're drumming up for State of Louisville. So uh, where, where can we find your work in the meantime before we get back on the microphone next time? 
Yeah, you can find me on the state of Louisville or you can find me on Twitter at AJTurn22 or you can follow along with the pro account. Pro baseball is getting ready to start up too, so you can go follow the Louisville Baseball Alumni Report. And the Louisville Baseball Alumni Report that Aaron's talking about, that uh, if you're wanting to keep up with any of the guys that are in the pros, he does a great job at that. He's He's got a staff of like 10 people that keep up with all the pros. Um he doesn't really it's just him but I, I don't know how he does it <laughs> so um every time i get on twitter he's just, you know somebody's promoted or signing here signing there. i don't i can't keep up with the 35 that are on the roster let alone the 35 on the roster plus the how many are in the pros now i think there's 53 right now <laughs> there you go um so aaron's your go-to guy so if you want to know anything about the cards and the pros follow that account he will keep you up to date um, but in the meantime before we get back on you can find me at uh, Card Chronicle covering the baseball team or Twitter at Matt Sefkovic. And in the words of Sean Moth, we will see you at the ballpark.